This is Joy in Crisis, a 13-week Bay City Church sermon series on the book of Philippians. To learn more about us, visit baycity.church. Question, what does it mean to live? Not to just breathe and lungs and heart and brain and all of that stuff, but really live. Think about that question for a second. What does it mean for you personally to live? How are you living life? Now, everyone is trying to answer this question. You can, I Googled around as I was preparing for this message. I asked the question, I just typed, what does it mean to live? The Quora and Reddit forums answering these questions are plentiful. You can, you can get lost on what it means. You can read a million blogs. You can watch a hundred million YouTube videos. Okay, maybe not a hundred million, but literally tens of thousands of YouTube videos answering this question. What does it mean to live? Blogs, Psychology Today articles are plentiful. I could have chosen a million of them. Most people have their own definition of what it means to live. Abbott Company, uh, another company, they put together a study that nearly two million people participated in asking them what it means to live fully. Two million, that's a huge study. And for those people, the top two, living for family and for success. Just nebulous success. Now, most people, like I said, seemingly feel like this is a subjective question to answer on our own. You may feel that. You may agree with that. You're like, living for family success? That's what I'm doing, right? Neil Shaw, an international speaker, he says this on this subject. You know, life is meaningful when you do what, when what you do for a living is something you can happily do for free. It is just a bonus that you're paid to do it. When you wake up each morning and you're excited for the day ahead, when your favorite day of the week is a Monday, when you feel your life has purpose and you are working to fulfill your destiny. Now that sounds good, right? You might be thinking, oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for this morning. And you know what? Some churches, you might get that. Not our church. You're going to get a little more. The next quote I have for you on the same subject from a a woman named Michelle Diavella, an author of, of the auto series, the audio series, the secret to true happiness. Well, she's got the secret. We should probably just go listen to that and get get this over with. But here's what she says. Living a full life to me means that I'm really there for as many moments as possible. That I'm not checked out because I'm not burnt out. That I'm not doing things that I think I should do or whizzing through life checking off all of the to-dos. Living a, li- a full life means that I'm immersed in the human experience. Whoa. Now, all of that sounds really good. All of these things you're thinking, that's what it means to live. To not be immersed in the human experience, to buck the system, to not go with a herd of humans, but to just do my own thing, not be immersed in the human. It means that I'm fully immersed in the human experience. That's what I want to do. I bet they all sound nice to you. Maybe even true for you. But is that the right answer to the question? Is there a right answer to the question? So let's play a game together, shall we? Fill in the blanks. To live is blank. Go ahead. Fill it in. For you, to live is blank. To not be immersed in the human experience. To explore. Well, if you are most people, and if you are most Western American, middle to upper middle class Americans, or even upper class Americans, or if you're, particularly if you're in college, here's your answer. To live is to recreate, accumulate, fornicate, and inebriate. To recreate, accumulate, fornicate, and inebriate. Of course, it rhymes, but that's what it means to live. We want to we enjoy life. We want to gain things. We want to have sex, and we want to indulge ourselves in food and drink to live. 
to live. Or, I'll just put it more frankly, to live is to golf. To live is to work. To live is to purchase. To live is to dine well. Finest steaks, best fish, best wine. To post, to travel, to experience. That's what it means to live. To not be bogged down by the to-do list and to be in the moment when I'm at Yosemite or Lake Tahoe or the beach. To live. You know, it's funny. We often judge others how they answer this question without actually answering it ourselves. So we'll hear these and we'll go, to post, that's so superficial. But then we don't have an answer ourselves. What's our answer? To live. It's funny. You've got to be honest. I mean, think about it. You'll probably mock this. There's a character, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, in uh, Jordan Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street. This is what he means. This is what, for him. This is what it means to live. Let me tell you something. There's no nobility in being poor. There's no nobility in poverty. I've been a poor man and I've been a rich man and I choose rich every time. Is that funny? That's what he lives for. What do you live for? Let me tell you what the Apostle Paul lives for. Let me tell you how he answers his questions. He says this, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. In other words, regardless of what everybody else says about me and to me, about the way I live, to live is Christ. No matter what my friends and foes are doing, I will live for Jesus regardless. Now, I don't know about you, but when I put this fill in the blank here, I didn't think about the word Jesus. To live is Jesus. Mine was family, friends, meaning, right? Purpose. But Jesus, says, for Paul says, he says, to live is Christ. Now remember, if you haven't been following along the series, Paul has been in jail and he's been stoned, not weed stoned, but physically stoned with rocks, okay? The old school stoned, beaten, flogged. Flogging is where they would take a whip and beat you until you were bleeding. Knocked unconscious, all for preaching the gospel. Thrown in jail too. And now he's in jail for the second or third time. We don't know. He's been so many times. We don't, we, we don't know which time this, he was writing this in. Was this the second time in jail? Was it the third? We don't know. And in this particular time, he was there for two years. There's something about hardship that causes us to focus on what's most valuable and what's most important. There's something about crisis, like the one we're in now, for instance, that shows us what's most, what's, uh, most important in our lives and what's most valuable. All of the other things, when we said all of these valuable things to us, golf, dining, food, friendship, all these other things become unimportant in our peripheral as we discover what's really important. Romans 5, Paul, writing to a, a different letter, he says this, Romans 5, verse 3, not only so, but we also glory, we give meaning to, in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produ produces character, and character produces hope. Perseverance in this text here, we know what that word, but as we understand the original language of the Bible, we know that this perseverance really means single-mindedness, okay? Focus, clarity. Think about tunnel vision. Brings utter clarity, your single focus. I'm going to work on one thing. It's one thing. And so suffering produces this ability to just have tunnel vision in your life, to tell you exactly what's important in your life. If you've ever suffered, you know it all. You always discover what's most important. You know what? Let's take a, an old man, for instance. I'm working really hard. I'm overworking. I have a heart attack. And they go, you know what? I've been working so hard. I almost died. 
I'm gonna, I realize what's most important and that's my family. I'm gonna spend more time with my family, right? Suffering produces single-mindedness and single-mindedness or perseverance produces something called character. Now, in this, in this word, this word in the Greek re usually really means the word testedness. And so, testedness, it means that we've been through it, right? It means that you've been tested. Think about a sports team, a sports team that's going to the playoffs for the first time or something. And we all look at them and we go, this team, they're untested. We don't know what they'll be like in the playoffs. Will they wilt under the pressure? Or will they rise to the occasion, right? But going through the suffering means that we become tested. So in this verse, throw it back up on the screen. Suffering produces single-mindedness and single-mindedness produces, uh, produces a uh, testedness. And what does that testedness, that character produce? Produces hope. It produces a hope. Suffering removes all of the rival sources of hope and comfort in our lives, all of the things we filled in the blank with, and allows us to focus on what actually is important and what actually works. We place our life's hope in so many different things these days, but when the rubber meets the road, suffering happens, right? We actually discover in the midst of crisis and hardship what actually matters to us. And for Paul, Suffering in the midst of everything, suffering produces single-mindedness, and single-mindedness producing a testedness, he realizes that he puts his hope in Christ. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. Everything for Paul is all about Jesus. Nothing compares to the surpassing value of knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and having a wonderful, thriving relationship with Jesus. So, are you single-minded right now? Are you single focused right now? In the midst of your crisis, are you medicating? Or are you discovering that Jesus Christ is the most important thing, that to live is Christ? Or is Jesus not Lord in your life? Is he not the most important thing? Is Jesus just a spiritual accessory on your way towards the American dream? Is he just a dangling uh, ornament on your rearview mirror, on your road towards self-actualization and success and purpose. Because that's what's happening to you. Can you say to yourself, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. To live means I love Jesus. To mean to, to live means everything is always and only about Jesus. If we did fill in the blank for living, we probably have to do one for dying too. Okay, you got me. We're going to do one. So we did to live is blank. Now we're going to put up to die is blank. Now, while many people have thought about what it means to live, less people have really considered about what it means to die, and understandably so. I mean, even personally in our culture, our culture has sanitized death, and it starts young. I mean, you've seen Snow White, you've seen Sleeping Beauty. What happens at the end of the movie? Do they die? No. They get married, and they walk towards the sunset, and the curtains go down, and what words pop up? They lived happily ever after. Indefinite amount of life and the sunshine and living. But we know if you're married that you definitely had a marriage fight on the way home in the car because that's how it goes down, right? And certainly we know that death does follow. And so we kind of sanitize death in our culture. We don't address it too often. And so movies have short funeral scenes and then we move on. And action movies have countless people die. 86 people died in the John Wick movie, the first one. We just say death is just a thing that's funny that we just move on from. 
It's not important. Companies offer full or partially paid bereavement lasting one, maybe two weeks. What's your company offer for bereavement? That's the grieving process and so you can be gone if someone dies. What's your company offer? And then how often do you have to get back to work? How quick? One week, two weeks, six days, two days? How long do you have to grieve your mother if she dies at your company? Remember our list of what it means to live? Do you remember? Do you remember our rhyming list? Recreate, accumulate, fornicate, inebriate. Do you remember that list? Do you remember to live is to golf, to work, to purchase, to dine well, to post, to travel, to experience? Well, if this is what it means to live, then to die means, must, must assuredly mean, a total loss of everything to you. If to live is to golf, to work, to purchase, to dine, to post, to travel, to experience, then to die means a total loss of everything that you care about. Or to die means anxiety, depression, fear, loss of legacy, total failure of opportunity, leaving family that you care about so much. It means the end. I remember laying with a family member in the hospital and they were in pain and the nurse told them that they would have to go to hospice care, which if you've ever been with anybody that's dying, old or young, you know what hospice care means. And I remember listening to this family member say, I just don't want to go to hospice care because hospice care means the end. What does Paul say death is? The guy who has suffered just about as anybody Bad as anybody. He says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wait, gain? Gain. To die is to gain. Now that was not something we all would have all thought of. Gain means adding value to or receiving profit from. It is an increase. Wait, I thought death was a total eradication, a total loss of everything else. Not to Paul. For Paul, the grave will graduate Paul to glory. It will graduate him, move him on towards a new and an amazing relationship, a new amazing future. Death is not a tragedy for the Christian if they follow Paul's, um, follow Paul's example. Death is not a tragedy for Christian. It is a triumph over this broken life. The best thing about heaven, by the way, is not streets of gold, contrary to popular belief. It is not a, a fat baby on a cloud playing a harp. And it's not even being united with your friends and family that have passed away. The best thing about death is that it is the immediate transportation from a sad situation to the presence and power of Christ. Jesus is immediately in your presence and embraces you as the most important thing. Jesus is the light of the world present with you immediately. Amazing. Powerful. Death means eternity without sickness without death, without stress, without suffering. Now we must see this death in this light. If we follow Jesus, believes, believing Jesus allows us to embrace the most assured idea that death is coming. We can embrace death. We must see it in this light. But for you, my friends that are watching, and I love you and I care about you, those of you who are not followers of Jesus do not see death as gain because you cannot see death as gain. Because for you, this life is as close to glory as you'll ever get. And for those who believe in Jesus, this life is as close to not being around Jesus to hell as we'll ever get. 
And so you have to ask yourself this question right now. Is this life all there is? Because if it is, death is total loss. But if there's more, and I think deep down inside, you know there's more. You know there's meaning. You know there's purpose. And if there is, then there must be a future. And I'm telling you right now, this guy, Jesus, he is the guy. He is the man that will be awaiting us on the other side because he's lived this world. He's walked this world. He's died in this world. And he rose from death in this world. And he will be waiting on the other side of this world for you should you choose to accept him. Now listen, death must matter if this life means something, and it means everything because this is all we live for. And I don't want you, if you're listening to this, I don't want you to think that I'm making light of death and that we should just die. And some of you might think, well, that's not fair. I love this world. I love the way I live. And you're, are you telling me I should just blow my brains out so I can just get on the other side of this? No. Death is a symptom of a sinful, broken world. It's a symptom of a sinful, broken world. It is not what we long for, but it does transfer us out of this sinful, broken world and into a place where we will be with Jesus forever. And one day, Jesus will come back to redeem, renew, and store this world. And we will be with him in this world, on this physical planet forever. That's what the scriptures say. But I can say this, to live as Christ... It means I'll be with Jesus, to love Jesus, to always be with him, and I'll be present with him, and I'll live for his, his mission, and to, to die as gain, that I will be with Jesus immediately in glory. Where does that leave us? Because we're not dead yet, right? Okay. There is still life to be lived. That's what Paul teaches us. There is still life now to be lived. What Paul can teach us about living now, what can he teach us if, if to die is gain? Here's what he says, verse 21. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. If I'm going to live right now, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Paul doesn't know whether or not he's going to die or he's going to live. Is he going to be executed or not? I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, to die, and to be with Christ. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh, to live is far more necessary on your account. So he's talking to his friends, the Philippians, and he's saying, man, if I live, I have a lot to teach you, to show you, to care for you about. I can impact you. Paul's conflicted because he knows that to serve Christ alive is going to be amazing, but to die, he'll be with Christ. Then Paul, verse 24, says to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And you might say, how can he say that? He just said death is better. Why not just push to be executed, you know, yell at the guard so he'll kill you? Why not? Coming to grips with death gives Paul a, a reason to pursue life now. And here's my thesis. No one is ready to live until they are ready to die. No one is ready to live until they're ready to die. Because as we understand what the end of our life holds, it reinforms our life backward. And so we can live it with more purpose and passion. If you understand that you will be in the presence of Jesus at the end, then that will inform the way you live now so you can live as fully as possible. You know what? You might listen to the Holy Spirit if he tells you to move to go start that ministry. You might. You might marry that woman because God told you to. You might give your money away because knowing that you can't fit it in your coffin in the end and it's not coming with you in glory because God is your glory, you might give it away here on earth. It will inform you. 
talking to that person, moving to start a ministry, beginning that study in your home that you've been asking yourself to do. When we understand death, we understand fearless faith. And I want that for you this morning. I want you to grasp what it truly means to say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then out of that, to be motivated to love on your neighbors and family and friends because, hey, while hard, as hard as this life gets through the coronavirus and through economic uh, recession, I know that I have Jesus at the end and so I can just live the life I wanna live for his glory and I can do it in a good way. Do you want that this morning? I want that for you, fearless faith. Let's pray.